today on the podcast, I am so excited to introduce you to Harmony Slater. Harmony is a certified Ashtanga yoga teacher and a wellness coach. She is actually one of less than 20 women in the world to hold that title of certified Ashtanga yoga teacher. Just so cool. She has so much knowledge about yoga, about breath work, and she's studied it extensively all over the world, which is just so astounding to me, just her passion for it. And today she talks all about breath work. And during our conversation, I just was trying actually to even do some of the inhale and exhale practices that she was talking about. And just, I'm just so eager to learn more about that because I feel like as I've, you know, gotten older as well as maybe just over the last year in the pandemic, I feel just a lot more anxious a lot of the time. And I'm one of those people who's always just like so quick to action And sometimes I don't need to be that way. I need to take a breath and just slow down. And so that is what I love just about this conversation is that she just lets us know all about breath work, how to do it correctly, and just her knowledge about everything is just so great and how she relates it as well. It just, it makes so much sense the way that Harmony talks about it. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this. As you can tell, you can find all the show notes for this episode at our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash 51. So let's jump in and meet Harmony. It's time to adapt to a plant-based palate, minimize waste, and respect our environment. Hello, we are Joe and Sarah Hayes, and we are the hosts of the Bowl of Life podcast, where we are encouraging you to join the plant-forward food movement. It's time for vegetables to move from the side of your plate to the center, and we are here each week to help you do that. So if increasing your vegetable consumption and limiting your animal proteins sounds like a win-win to you, go grab a spoon or fork, and let's dive in to learning more about how you can be plant-forward. Today, I'm so excited to have Harmony Slater with us on the podcast. Harmony is one of only three certified Ashtanga yoga teachers in Canada. How cool is that? She is also an entrepreneur, life and wellness coach, as she describes herself, a mama of a young Jedi, as well as a fellow podcast host of her own show, The Finding Harmony Podcast. Perfect name and perfect, you know, podcast title. I love that. I won't give it all away, though, as Harmony can tell us better in her own words, but I'm so excited to have her on today to talk about breath work, personally, because breathing slowly and slowing down just is so hard for me. I just love to be on the go, but I do know when I feel anxious that often kind of stepping back and taking a deep breath really helps me, so I'm so excited just to learn more about this, especially, you know, we live in a world where we're just so anxious all the time, just with ongoing things that keep going on. I won't mention the name of that. We all know. But so (laughs) I'm so excited to learn more. So Harmony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. So nice to be here with you today. So excited to talk. We've been, I feel like, in podcast class together. We've been in the business class together. And, you know, you're in Canada. I'm in Michigan. And it's just so cool how that can happen, you know, with, um, you know, to be in classes together and meet people all over the world these days. And uh, I know we can feel a little zoomed out, but um, (laughs) like Zoom fatigue is real for sure. (laughs) Right. But it's also very cool how you can just meet people these days. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. It's the world's just opened up so much that way. And you can really develop like some some real solid friendships with people online through these different classes or connections and courses. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's definitely can expand you outside the horizons of your own community, which is, is so great. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I thought 
first, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, like maybe the 100,000 foot view of how you got started (laughs) in yoga and, you know, to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I guess my interest, I kind of always had sort of an interest in Eastern uh, religion and philosophy, Um, not like a serious interest, but it was something that I was curious about when I was a small child. My mother was into transcendental meditation and um, had like, you know, Be Here Now, Ram Dass's book and a bunch of different sort of Eastern philosophy books. And she taught me to meditate. She had a mantra and Um, So it was something that was introduced to me at a young age that I was kind of curious about. Um, That's how I ended up with the name Harmony, of course. (laughs) um, She soon after, maybe when I was about five or six, became um, a born again Christian. So all of the sort of, you know, Indian type, you know, iconography and Eastern mysticism kind of books exited our house shortly after that. Um, But it was something a seed had been planted. And when I went to the University of Calgary here in Canada, I did two bachelors of arts degrees, one in philosophy and the other in religious studies. And when I had originally gone into the religious studies department, I thought that I would probably, you know, go into studying Christianity or Judaism or something, you know, in the Western religious realm. But um, when you begin, you know, you take a bunch of different kind of, I guess, survey courses. And what really drew my attention in was Buddhism. And so I became... um, like (laughs) obsessed, I guess, in a way. But I really wanted to study and learn. And I just loved the philosophy, the Buddhist philosophy. And so I really went deeply into that and ended up um, doing a research, a massive research paper on Buddhist meditation uh, that involved me traveling to China and um, studying Anapana meditation and Vipassana meditation in some of the Chan monasteries there. So that was probably my first, um, I guess, exposure to like a real traditional kind of practice of observing the breath, which is more like the Anapana meditation um, and using the breath as a a tool for concentrating the mind Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like Eastern philosophy as well. And then shortly after that, um, I traveled to India uh, two years later and uh, dove. I had been taking some yoga classes in in my home city here, Calgary, and was really enjoying them, was really into it, had been also, you know, studying, of course, the philosophy of yoga. And because I was in um, finishing my degree in religious studies, uh, I was sort of at a place in in my studies where I could kind of pick my own topics and research them and write papers. So, of course, I was writing on just like yoga and Buddhism and like whatever I was I was into at the time. And uh, and so after I finished uh, university, I went straight to India and uh, stayed there for five months to start with. And that's when I got really immersed into the Ashtanga yoga practice. And shortly after that, moved to Thailand to teach and manage a yoga retreat center there. And that's where I met my pranayama teacher, Sri Opitwari, from the Kavalyadam Institute in Lanavala, India. So he uh, basically introduced me to pranayama practice in a very traditional um, way uh, that's based on a text called the Hatha Pradipika which is a text, ancient text written around the 13th century or 14th century um, sort of medieval times in India. And it's basically a text that talks about all different types of Hatha yoga practices. And so this is where we find the origins of basically all of the pranayama, all of the breathwork techniques that people are teaching today. It comes from this Eastern you know, a very vast amount of literature and traditions and practices in India. Um, You can trace pranayama all the way back 
to like the first century BCE, like so even before the common era, it's mentioned in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, it's mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, so it's a it's an ancient practice that has, you know, come from India and also, of course, traveled from India to China to Japan. So it has this real Eastern origin to it. Um, pranayama, prana means life force or energy. It also means breath. And ayama means the expansion or the extension of this life force, of this breath. So this idea in India that um, your life force, your energy is intimately connected to the breath. This word has this double meaning. And it's like in Chinese medicine, we would talk about qi. So many, yeah. maybe many people have had acupuncture and and are familiar with this idea of this life force or this qi energy. Or in Japanese Japan, uh, it's called uh, ki. And so it's all interrelated. Um, but that was my beginning of of the study, and I ended up living in Southeast Asia for six years, continuing to work and study and practice. Um, and just like completely immerse myself into the yoga practices, learning breath work, learning asana um, at a very advanced level of contortionism. <laughs> and <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and then um, shortly after, back in 2009, I moved to Canada and opened up my own yoga school here, had my son. But even then, I would continue to travel back to India every year for two, three, four months to continue my studies. Even with my son, he's lived over a year of his life in India. (laughs) So, yeah. So it was really it was really an amazing experience and an adventure, I guess, to kind of be so um, devoted to learning these ancient practices and techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So much here. That is so cool. And, you know, I think it's so cool too, right? When you first said like um, how it kind of influenced you even at the age of six. And I feel like I've been thinking about that lately uh, as my kids get a little bit older, just like, you know, what type of foundations am I laying for them that they're going to um, come back to someday or remember and um, you know, stuff that did I even think about how I grew up and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, revert, you know, thinking back to that and thinking, oh, wow, well, I guess that's why I think that way or do that because that foundation was there, even though I maybe didn't like it at the time or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, it's interesting as parents, you don't necessarily know what seeds you're planting, <laughs> which is a little bit frightening. <laughs> Yeah, right. I know, right. So like the pressure, but uh, maybe more so why we need breath work, right? To kind of exactly. <laughs> now, like, so was it hard, like, when you would like go and um, just immerse yourself in, you know, more that yoga culture and, hmm. and the Eastern, um, you know, areas to come back kind of through the West? Like, was that a hard transition to go back and forth? Yeah, I mean, the first the first time it was very challenging. I definitely had culture shock coming back to North America. Um, I mean, I think I also had culture shock going to India for the first yeah. time because it's really like another planet if you've never been there. Um, to China, I didn't have as much culture shock. I think because I had a translator, a teacher who was with me. Okay, um, and it was a bit more. It was like a very organized sort of routine that we were doing and and living in you know monasteries and it, I mean it was amazing I loved it I loved the land and the people and and it just like you know wet my appetite to get back to Asia as soon as possible um but India was like my own adventure you know it wasn't um organized or there was no structure to it exactly um so it was sort of me going and uh, discovering, you know, everything for myself without any type of translation. The interesting thing about India is many people speak English really well because of, um, you know, the colonization of the English to India. So um, you can travel there like fairly easily on your own as an English speaker, you know, and get around and understand things and people. Um, of course, there's their own indigenous languages to the area as well as Hindi and 
the Indian people are amazing at languages. In my mind, being only an English speaker, I feel a little bit limited, but um, it's it was, yeah, definitely like a different planet. It's just so many people and so busy and so many smells and colors and the way you know, people drive and the way they do things, it's not linear, it's not predictable, you know, so it really like kind of changes your brain. And then when you come back to North America, it feels very um, sterile in a sense. Uh, And so to me, it felt really, it felt really weird. Yeah, it was a very strange transition coming home. But Also, the more I would go and then come back, the easier it gets. You know what to expect. You know, it's maybe like a child going from their mom's house to their dad's house or something. You know, you know, okay, when I'm at mom's house, things happen like this. When I'm at dad's house, things happen like this. And you just kind of adapt to the different cultures and ways that things go on inside those little, you know, microcosms. Right. Yeah. For sure. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I have not really traveled. I've traveled to Europe, but not to um, as far, you know, um, kind of Eastern. My husband used to travel quite a bit to Japan and, and China, but um, not really yeah. anymore since since the pandemic. But uh, yeah, no one's traveling anymore. <laughs> no, no, which is unfortunate. But uh, but, you know, also, um you know, why the work that you're doing is so important, though, because we are in this, you know, ongoing state of kind of unsettledness to say, um, breathwork probably, you know, has been good to have that to lean on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's been incredible, actually. It's so important um, to have like a very grounding practice, I think, in these times. Um, something that you can come to daily and that really helps to reset your nervous system, you know, helps to tap into um, your your fight or flight response, your ability to change between, you know, that fight and flight response and your relaxation response easily. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really easy to, I think we've all been experiencing, especially during, you know, this time of so much uncertainty and uh, lockdown and like, you know, one, one day things are open, the next day they're closed. You know, <laughs> we never know really what's going on and things aren't so predictable as they used to be. Yeah. And, um, and that creates just like a chronic low level feeling of stress in the body, you know, because we're not really sure what's happening. And so our amygdala, which is a part of our uh, limbic system in our brainstem, it's part of the autonomic nervous system, which means that things are happening. It does things automatically, right? So it controls Mm -hmm. things like our blood pressure, our heart rate, our breath rate. Um, And also it's related to the hypothalamus, our emotions, and it also regulates emotions as well. So when we're feeling this low chronic stress or we feel any kind of stress, right, which could just be, you know, it doesn't have to be something huge. It doesn't have to be traumatic. It could just be somebody saying like, oh, you can't leave your house, yeah. <laughs> right? That feels a little stressful sometimes. You're like, what? Um, so then the amygdala will release. It stimulates um, uh, the release of stress hormones, you know, primarily adrenaline, and that prepares our body to like fight fight or flee or freeze, right? And so we have this um, sympathetic nervous system response. And that increases like our sense of fear or anxiety or aggression or anger, right? And so you get triggered by it could be something even small, even an email, you know, in your inbox. Oh, You're yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally feel like at the, at the time of this recording, like um, my kids just started back to school and I, I felt that way over the weekend because suddenly like a mandate came down from our health department and right. suddenly the school year, just overnight, things started to change. Mm-hmm. And I, I did feel like that. I felt all this like, whoa, like what the heck's going on? Like, oh my gosh, like I thought like we were on a good path here. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> things were going smoothly. Now, oh my gosh, there's all this, you know, unpredictable things to deal with and, you know, things to look after and restraints to, you know, be mindful of. So yeah, it creates this this kind of sense of anxiety. You know, I think most of us describe it as that. Um, but it can also create like anger in people, right? People get really angry about things and you're like, whoa, like, it's okay. <laughs> Just calm uh, down, yeah. right? Yeah, like, I'm fight the system, pick it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, <laughs> like all, exactly all that political sort of like stuff that's going on, this increased anger, um, in people, you know, even when you look at like, you know, people who are for vaccines, people who are against vaccines, you know, and it's not really, um, it's not really rational to be a- that angry about these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's actually because the sympathetic nervous system, you know, that fight or flight response is being triggered so frequently. What happens when it gets triggered so frequently, you kind of get stuck in it. So then you're more easily, you know, switched on to anxiety, aggression, anger, fear, like all those emotions. And the littlest thing triggers those emotions to come up. Wow. Yeah. The yeah. Brain is such a fascinating, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing is when you get triggered and you release this adrenaline and then, you know, the cortisol gets released, the cortisol actually starts to turn off your frontal lobe or your forebrain, which is involved in thinking, planning, reasoning, decision making, right? Mm-hmm. This is like our our center of consciousness and personality. And it's, it's sort of the last part of our brain to develop. You know, this is why children don't get to drive and they don't get to, you know, vote or drink because they're not like fully... Um, developed in their for in their frontal lobe in their forebrain for thinking and planning and reasoning and decision making and when the amygdala gets triggered it then kind of overrides the forebrain it the cortisol kind of like puts it in a in a state where it's unable to think plan reason or make decisions and so that's also why like during these times of stress you know you're like it feels difficult sometimes to make decisions. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Should I do that? Shouldn't I do that? You know, sh- how do I respond to this email? I don't know. You know, do I want to go out next week? Do I want to stay? Right? You just feel like yeah. kind of paralyzed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, yeah, totally have been there, but I've also been on the, um, and I know you and I have been in some Enneagram stuff together too, through some Mm -hmm. classes and uh, I'm an Enneagram eight. So I am quick to jump to action. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but in that instance, since I know that about myself, that I'm quick to like fire off an email back, like, you know, or whatever. Um, like I, I don't get stopped in that paralyzation. So it's good for me to actually stop and take a moment. (laughs) Right. Because it could be the other thing, like the fighting, right? (laughs) You're just like, ah. Yeah, like, well, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So in times like this, I can see how a practice of breath work could be very useful, right? Like this is where that would come into play or, or? Yes, for sure. I mean, it's, it's one of the best ways to help uh, tone and strengthen that relaxation response. So breath is a little bit unusual because it's very closely tied to our emotions, right? And you can see this in yourself, like when you're getting angry or upset, you know, your your way of breathing changes, your pattern mm-hmm. of breathing changes, yeah. or if you're concentrating really um, acutely on something, again, you know, the breath pattern changes. And so it's also governed by that autonomic nervous system. It's happening mostly unconsciously, you know, along with our digestion, along with, you know, the constriction and dilation of our blood vessels, along with our heart rate. It's it's just going on. You know, we don't have to sit here and think, okay, inhale, exhale, <laughs> inhale, exhale. We can just... Forget yeah, about I, it. <laughs> I've actually, I feel like, wow, I just had this conversation. So we live on a small lake and yeah. the kids were jumping off the boat and, you know, they were saying something like, but I didn't do that when I jumped or whatever. And I'm like, 
you may have thought that you didn't. I said, but your brain and body responded automatically to doing whatever they thought they weren't doing, like closing their eyes or like right. their nose or something like that. Or, oh yeah, I think it was the opening the mouth. Like they said, right. well, I, didn't, I didn't open my mouth when I jumped. I was like, you'd be amazed though what your body and brain had you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the that's the thing is like certain things are just happen automatically and we don't necessarily have control over them. And some things we can't, you know, really easily take control of. Like if we could regulate our blood pressure, wouldn't that be, you know, amazing? <laughs> Nobody would have to take any kind of like beta blockers or anything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So having a breathwork practice then can kind of bring that back into Yeah. So exactly. What happens is because breath is mostly, you know, happening on its own unconsciously, it also can, we also can take control of it, right? Unlike our heart rate or unlike our digestion, um, we can actually go, okay, I'm going to hold my breath or I'm going to lengthen my inhale. I'm going to slow down my exhale and we can manipulate our breath. And so when we are use the breath in this way, what happens is it's a feedback loop. It starts to actually change our body physiologically. Um, and so it's the same when our body starts to change, you know, maybe say we're being overly stimulated in a stressful way, what happens is the centers of our brain start to change. They change in shape and size and also in connectivity in the neural networks. But when we use the breath to stimulate this um, parasympathetic response, so the breaks to the stress response, what happens then is, again, the brain starts to actually change. The structures change in size, and you can increase the connectivity. You can increase the circulation back into the frontal lobe so that you can think and plan and make decisions more easily. Um, you also have all kinds of amazing results when you change the way that you breathe. You know, we are able to absorb more oxygen when we start to lengthen and slow down our breath. We eliminate more CO2. We can restore the pH balance to the blood, which allows cells to eliminate waste more efficiently and also helps to decrease inflammation. We um, are also stimulating, um, it's very, when we talk about the parasympathetic nervous system, it's uh, the main sort of nerve is the 10th cranial nerve called the vagus nerve. And this nerve comes from the brainstem and it moves down through kind of the jaw and the throat, down through the lungs. It touches every organ inside our body and then terminates down in the pelvic floor. And so this vagus nerve is like the braking system to our breathing, or sorry, not to our breathing, to our stress response. Mm -hmm. So when we start to lengthen the breath, we start to stimulate this vagus nerve, which allows um, the vagus nerve to get kind of stronger. You can think of it that way. You know, it becomes more easily accessible to us. Um, and that allows us to then switch more quickly between the stress response and the relaxation response so that we're not getting stuck in that fight or flight, right? We're able to like feel stress and then immediately feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have low vagal tone, you get kind of stuck in that stress response and that increases then, of course, anxiety, depression, um, you know, feelings of of rage or anger, all these things, you know, you start feeling all the time, which then leads to all kinds of health problems. But when the vagus nerve is toned and strong and easily accessible, then it um, helps us to switch between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So it allows us to lower our heart rate. Um, It releases a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine that increases our ability to focus and creates a sense of calmness in our brain, which then, of course, also reduces those feelings of anxiety or depression 
And there's all kinds of other wonderful neurochemicals uh, in our brain <laughs> that get released when we breathe deeply and fully regularly. So there's more dopamine gets released, serotonin gets released, oxytocin gets released, all those like feel good, um, oh, how I love you brain chemicals, right, start to stimulate our prefrontal cortex so that um, and reduce the buildup of that cortisol in our in our body and in our brain. So um, breathing is so important. And it's something that we kind of know intuitively, right? When people are upset, we say like, just take a breath, right? (laughs) Or, you know, slow down your breathing, slow down, breathe deeply. Like we, we kind of intuitively, instinctually know this. Um, but it's something that most of us don't maybe take the time to really like develop a habit around consciously breathing daily. Mm. Yeah. So is it as simple as that? Like as just taking a deep breath, um, you know, thinking back to, you know, um, you know, you hear that a lot in sports or whatever. Okay. Calm down, take a deep breath. Or, you know, maybe when someone's very upset about, you know, we're both parents. So, he's, you know, I say that to my kids all the time. Okay, let's calm down. Let's take a deep breath. So is it as simple as, as that or is there more to it? Yeah. I mean, in in a way it is a little bit as simple as that, you know, but that's sort of responding to an acute situation, right? Yeah. So that's sort of like the emergency measures, like, oh my God, start breathing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, But when, you know, when you're not necessarily in a stress response, when you're not feeling those feelings of anxiety or, you know, um, stress in your system and say you just wake up in the morning and you say, okay, I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm just going to breathe. And one particular thing that's very helpful in increasing this vagal tone is lengthening your exhalation. So there's been a lot of scientific studies done about lengthening the exhalation. This is a very traditional way in India that uh, you would start a breathing practice or a pranayama practice. You would inhale maybe for a count of four and then exhale for a count of eight. And when you do this, sometimes it's called resonance breathing. Um, You're slowing down your breath rate from, you know, maybe your normal 16 breaths a minute to something that's more around five or six breaths a minute. And so learning to lengthen the inhale and lengthen the exhale um, and increase that exhalation to be twice the length of the inhalation uh, is incredibly helpful in getting all of these benefits of being able to strengthen the parasympathetic response to lower um, stress in the body. Mm. So it's kind of like, so if you have a breathwork practice and your body will remember that or your brain rather probably. Yeah. Well, what happens is it's sort of like going to the gym, right? So it's like if you're, uh, you know, being attacked by a tiger and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do some like push-ups and like, like, you know, pump up my muscles so I can like fight off this, this, you know, wild animal (laughs) or even like a human, right? Like someone's coming at you and you're like, okay, I'm just going to like pump up my muscles here first. You know, it's like, not as effective as if you go to the gym every day when you're not under attack and like build up your muscles. And then when the attack comes, you're ready, you're prepared, right? You can fend it off easily. Mm. And it's the same with the breath. If you're practicing daily, you know, even five minutes, 10 minutes of practice, you know, maybe first thing in the morning or before you go to bed, like whatever time works for you the best. Um, and you're doing it on a regular basis, then what happens is you're strengthening your ability to uh, relax in a sense, right? You're strengthening your ability to switch from being stressed out to a more normal, you know, relaxed, focused, clear state of mind. And it has all kinds of benefits of like improving your digestion, increasing, you know, your skin, like making your skin look very radiant, decreasing like the blemishes, the toxicity that comes out of our pores. It improves with your sleep. 
um, and it's helped with sleep disorders. It also helps you lose weight because when you're holding on to all this cortisol in your body, your body's also holding on to weight. So a lot of people, when they first start doing a breathwork practice, you know, daily, will actually start to lose weight. Um, one of my students lost five pounds the first week oh, wow. just by breathing, doing nothing else. Wow. So yeah, it also can help to manage cravings. And then of course, whenever you're reducing um, tension in the body, you're going to alleviate things like headaches, um, you know, pain, chronic pain in the body. Uh, and also because it's dealing with uh alkalizing the body in a sense. You're also addressing some hormonal imbalances as well. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's an incredible tool that we have that's completely free yeah. <laughs> and accessible to us at any time. <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, it takes a little effort and that's, I guess, maybe where, where we lack the discipline sometimes because you have to make the effort to do the thing in order to get the benefits. Yeah, I think you think you hit the nail on the head there, right? Like, but when you think about it, you said, okay, try just to start five to 10 minutes in the morning or at night. And that that really seems doable, right? Like five minutes, maybe I'm not scrolling my social media, which actually causes more anxiety. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It'd be good to like create some kind of anchor, like turn on Instagram reminder. Oh, right. I'm going to breathe for five minutes before I look at this. <laughs> well, maybe it's just as simple as that, right? Like before yeah. you like you jump onto Instagram or Facebook, but then that like, oh, wait okay, I told myself that if I pressed that button app on my phone, that I would do my breath work first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's helpful to have those little reminders in our day because of course it's not like, you know, it's not necessarily easy to create that time and space for yourself in your day. And because you don't necessarily get um, like an immediate um, sort of reward for doing it, right? It's it's yeah. a long-term reward that you're getting. Um, it can be challenging for people to commit to doing it. Right. Yeah. So, so what are just some simple techniques that a beginner could practice? Maybe listeners listening and they're like, yeah, really, I love this idea, you know, of, you know, changing my response and learning how to breathe better. Um, to deal with the world and to just calm myself down more. So what are just some like simple techniques to start? Yeah. So I would say like probably the most simple breath work exercise you could do or pranayama exercise is just inhaling through both nostrils, exhaling for twice the length through both nostrils. So always using the nostrils. Um, when we breathe through our nostrils, we also increase the release of nitric oxide into our blood, which helps with that uh, absorption of more oxygen and um, the elimination of the CO2, which is has all kinds of positive effects as well. So just that simple breathing of extending the exhalation. Um, and if you wanted to maybe do something a little bit more challenging, you could hold the breath. And oftentimes there's a ratio suggested like inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of seven, exhale for a count of eight. Um, personally, I think that's a little bit challenging for beginners. And uh, as I was taught, you would always start with a little bit of a lower, lesser hold. It's a little bit um, more soothing for the nervous system. So you could inhale, say, for a count of four, hold for a count of four, and then again, exhale for a count of eight, increasing that exhale length. Um, so you're holding for the same length as your inhale. So if you're inhaling for a count of five, you're going to hold for a count of five, and then exhale for a count of 10. Mm -hmm. So that would be sort of a simple breathing practice with a retention or a breath hold. Um, those two are really sort of straightforward. Um, there's another one that's quite good for calming the mind, which is called uh, Brahmari Pranayama. It's named after the humming bee. 
And this also has the added benefit of uh, vibrating or stimulating your vagus nerve, because as I mentioned, it runs down through the throat and touches upon the vocal cords. And so often this is called like the humming breath, right? You would inhale through both nostrils. And then as you exhale, you're going to exhale, making like a gentle, soft, nice, soothing, not like a hard, angry humming sound, but like a delicious humming sound um, on your exhale. And just make the exhale for as long as you possibly can. So you don't have to like have any kind of like ratios in this one. You would just inhale through both nostrils and then exhale. And you could do that 10 times. And it has, again, that very calming, relaxing effect on the nervous system. And those are probably, I would say, some of the simplest exercises that you could um, add into your daily routine, into your morning routine. Mm, I love that. As, as you were talking through them, I'm sitting here like trying to breathe in really slow. And then, <laughs> you know, I think the hold part is something I did not know about, um, which so it makes it makes total sense, you know, now that I hear you talk about it and talk, talk it through. Um, but it seems more just like inhale, exhale, like I run a lot. And, you know, so that's very focused on inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. But the holding part, I could see is so beneficial and actually helps with that exhale. Um, Love yeah. it. Yeah. Love and it really it. puts a pause like on your busy mind. So if you're feeling really like, you know, your mind is super active or you're feeling like a lot of stress, that that extra holding, um, you know, inhaling, hold for the same length of the inhale and then exhale for double. Uh, it has a super uh, powerful calming effect on your mind and on your nervous system. Also, when you're holding, you're retaining uh, carbon dioxide. Uh, carbon dioxide, the CO2 in the lungs. Mm. And um, and when you do that, I mean, in this is sort of the, the interesting thing with these breathing practices. If you try to hold too long, too much, that holding or that retention of the CO2 will act like a poison in your system. So it's not going to be beneficial. But if you hold for a short time, it has a very calming effect on your nervous system. And so what happens is as you breathe regularly, consistently over many, many years, over a long period of time, your ability to increase your breath capacity uh, goes up. And so when you first start maybe inhaling for a count of four and holding for a count of four and exhaling for a count of eight is very, very challenging. You might need to drop that back to like inhaling for three holding for three, exhaling for six. Uh, mm. But say you've been doing this every day for you know a couple of years, you'll find that all of a sudden inhaling for eight, holding for eight, exhaling for 16, inhaling for 10, holding for 10, exhaling for 20 becomes very um, manageable. And mm. partly that's because you build up your capacity and your um, ability to retain that CO2 without any harmful or negative effects happening. And, and also you're increasing your lung capacity. So you actually are able to breathe bigger and deeper and fuller. Oh, wow. Yeah, that to it totally makes sense. So I'm curious, how long can you hold for? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm doing my regular practice, the thing is, too, is if you only do a short number of repetitions, so say you only do this five times, it feels very easy. If you yeah. start doing it for 10 times, you can feel a bit more challenging, right? Yeah. But yeah, I tend to hold typically for about 30 seconds. Oh, wow. But sometimes, you know, a lot of people will... The thing is, is you don't really want to hold past your capacity because that's going to actually have the opposite effect, right? So right. If, you're, if your ego gets involved and you're like, I'm going to hold my breath for a minute, right? Then what happens is you actually trigger your fight or flight response, your sympathetic right. nervous system, and it acts, starts, you know, acting up. And the whole point of doing the breathing practice is to create that balance and that 
uh, tone between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. But if your ego's involved and you're like, no, I want to hold my breath longer, or, you know, you're not really listening to your body and you're trying to like make it like a practice that's, you know, a challenge, <laughs> right? right? You're like, I'm really going to challenge myself today breathing. <laughs> then you're already stressed out and now you're doing another practice that is stressing you out even more. And what happens is it makes all of those effects like the anxiety, um, the, the easily triggered, you know, anger, um, the irritability, the headaches, the inflammation, it makes it all worse. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely don't want, want that happening. And so, which I think is cool because you um, mentioned to me you actually are releasing a breath work course, right? So, so for those yes. that are like, I'm going to do that competition. No, no, no. Like, maybe you need to actually like sit back and maybe learn a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of the thing with with breath work is you know it's it's all of the breath work that we have today is based on these ancient techniques of pranayama, um, you know that stem from India. But breathwork is sort of a general term used to describe any type of, of practice or therapy that utilizes breathing exercises um, to help improve mental, physical, spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And so the breathwork therapy that exists today actually kind of got its origins in the 60s and 70s, of course, with like that consciousness raising era, right, where... Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of gurus from India coming to America and introducing these practices and people were doing them, you know, mainly for spiritual purposes, but then getting a lot of physical benefits. And so all those hippies, you know, ended up becoming scientists <laughs> and deciding to research the effects of, of breathing on the mind and the body. Um, but, you know, there are some sort of, I guess, dangers in that, you know, of course, if you have like, you know, a cardiac arrhythmia or like a very slow heart rate um, or a history of um, high blood pressure, you should definitely ask your doctor before, you know, just taking up any kind of breath practice. Mm. Um and you should also learn from somebody who's like very steeped in the tradition of pranayama or of breath work, who has a lot of experience there. And by a lot of experience, I don't mean mean took like a six month course, you know, yeah. like someone who's been doing it for years, because it's really important that you have um somebody who knows how to help you, especially if things start to feel a little bit like they're going off center. Um, because you're dealing with your nervous system, you're dealing directly with your energy and with your brain and the chemicals in the in your body and your fight or flight response and your rest and digest response. And so it's really important that you learn from somebody who's very knowledgeable I would say that like the simple breathing, just inhaling and exhaling, lengthening the exhale for double is safe for everyone. You know, it's that's a very simple, easy practice that you could do without any problems. And of course, if you're finding that exhalation is challenging, then just shorten the inhale and find what ratio works for you as far as like how much you need to inhale and how much you need to exhale. And after a few weeks of regular practice, it will feel quite um, easily accessible to most people. But that's um, kind of why I started to uh, teach this course, because there's a lot of misinformation out yeah. there about breathwork and pranayama and breathing practice. And a lot of people who, in my opinion, have no business teaching, <laughs> you know, it's like you should maybe practice for about 10 years first and then start teaching, <laughs> yeah. um, you know telling people what to do and it's a bit crazy like it's a bit out there and you know I don't know if you want to experiment with your own health and sanity then I guess go for it but I right. would rather kind of use these practices in a way that's going to be beneficial to my mind and my body and like slowly gradually develop them in a way that's adding benefit to me rather than you know 
experiment with things that you know somebody learned off TikTok last week. <laughs> yikes! Yikes! <laughs> so yeah, I've I've actually taught my breathing course uh, four times now since uh, 2020, and. Oh. Yeah, I'll be offering it again in October, around starting around the middle of October, and it's it's growing quite a bit. At first, it was a live course that I was teaching. You had to kind of attend the live classes or watch the recordings after, but I've broken it down to um, so that each practice has its own video, and so you can watch like, okay, just the video for this practice, and then there's also philosophy involved. Mm. Um we look at these ancient texts like the Hatha Pradipika that come from India. We look at like the whole sort of tradition of breath work and, um, and breathing practices and some of the scientific uh, studies and benefits of them. Mm. And then we learn the eight uh, pranayama practices and some of the cleansing practices as well that come from India that are found in this ancient text. And it also includes live classes as well. So you get to actually practice and I um, watch and coach and observe and ask, you get to ask your questions um, within the live classes as well. But there's six modules plus a couple of bonus modules and, um, yeah, it's really it's it's quite comprehensive, probably more uh types of breathing practices than anybody would ever need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but they're uh they're all taught in a very safe way and you get to kind of uh figure out what your own capacity is and adapt them to whatever stage you're at. So it's not like pushing you into a place that you're not ready for, which is really I think the most important part when you're looking at breathwork practices is that if you're feeling like it's creating um, a sense of breathlessness or a sense of like anxiety or shaking or tremors in your body, then you're probably doing too much or um, maybe doing something that's not quite right for you. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And that's what, what I love when you said, you know, it's comprehensive, but it's kind of broken down into all these different things, kind of maybe, you know, depending where you're at. And then you kind of have the balance of the live to be able to ask the questions, you know, maybe somebody is experiencing a little shakiness and then they'd be able to ask you like, Hey, well, that's not normal. What should I be doing? (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because you're working like with your nervous system, you know, some people might feel like a lot of heat. Other people feel really cold. You know, our nervous system has all kinds of functions, functionality that we're not maybe not aware of, you know, and governing sensations um, and feeling those sensations. And so it's, Uh, It's interesting what can come up, but there's also, you know, if you're doing too much too soon, you could like develop, you know, hiccups or, you know, different, different kind of funny, not so funny things, you know? Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I just thinking myself too, you know, and I think a lot, would you say breath work comes down to a lot? It helps you just kind of listen to your body more. Yeah, I I think definitely when you take that time in the morning, it's a bit like meditation, right? When you take like 10 minutes or 20 minutes or however long in the morning to just sit and listen. And, you know, meditation's a little different because you're just observing, right? Normally, maybe you're chanting a mantra or maybe you're just observing your breath or you're observing sensation, but you're not manipulating the breath or you're not manipulating your sensations or your your mind you're just observing things as they are typically um and when the mind you know goes off into imagination or into distraction or into thinking and planning you're just basically bringing it back to that state of of awareness and observation Um, And it's just a process of continuing to bring the mind back to that state of awareness and observation over and over and over again. And when you do that, you start to become very aware of like that subtle energy in the body, subtle sensations. And it also creates a sense of relaxation and calmness, right? Because it's a way of using the mind and the mind goes off into its stressful planning kind of 
uh, pattern into this beta wave, right? Where you're thinking and planning and, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> uh, making grocery lists and, you know, oh, making yeah. judgments about things. Yes, yes, no, no, right? It's like going really busy. It has a particular wave that you can feel. It's very active. And so every time it's going into that, you bring it back into this observation wave, which is more of an alpha wave, um, which is related more to that parasympathetic state, right? That calm state, that place just before you're going to fall asleep, but not quite asleep yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I, I love this and definitely so excited to start to start more intentionally doing this in my own life because yeah, I do have one of those brains that is always like shoot, moving and like making lists, making to-do lists, you know, let's be, you know, effective and efficient. Yeah. 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 So I can see this be so beneficial. Um, I'm so excited to kind of just start with the beginner, beginner things. That would be where, where I need to start. And, if, you know, if people want more information about this, your course or, or any of your other fabulous things you have going on, your <laughs> online yoga classes, where can they find out more about that? Yeah, they can come to my website, harmonyslater.com, or they can check me out on Instagram, harmonyslateryoga. Um, and yeah, from there, you can kind of find all the places um, my membership which houses like a bunch of guided yoga classes as well as some meditation and uh, breathing practices they can find out about my course or also my wellness coaching as well you can kind of find everything from there oh wow this is this is so great and you truly are just an expert in the field and it's just so so great that you can impart all this knowledge to us and then we can, you know, take it a step further and connect with you online as we were just talking about, you know, how interesting that is just to connect online and be able to do that these days. is so, so amazing. And we'll link all of this in the show notes, um, all your information, where people can connect, your classes, your courses, as well as if they want to listen to your podcast as well. We'll, we'll link that over there as well because that, that's always fun. Maybe someone's more of a listener than a reader. And that's another just way to connect, you know? <laughs> yeah, the podcast is, it's really fun. I, I um, co-host with my husband, who oh, is quite hilarious, also a yoga practitioner. And um, it's basically stories uh, of people's lives and sort of what brought them to a place where they were seeking out spirituality um, or a yoga practice or a deeper connection with themselves. And so it's finding harmony because I'm harmony, but also finding harmony within yourself. So what sort of is that point in your life or what led up to your life? You know, what were those seeds that were planted at a young age that then, you know, helped you or or guided you into uh, seeking out like a deeper kind of way of experiencing yourself in the world or connecting to a higher purpose. Yeah, that, that's so cool. And it's so interesting, I think, to hear people's story as well. I'm a huge fan of that. And so thank you for, for bringing that to us. That's so cool. Well, Harmony, thank you so much for coming on today. And just you know, telling us a little bit about breath work and just the beginning stages of it and how we can start to incorporate that. I found it so fascinating and I can't wait. As I mentioned here, I was kind of inhaling and exhaling as you're talking, just, you know, kind of uh, thinking about that. And I'm so excited just to start start practicing that myself. So thank yeah, you so good. <laughs> Go for it. It's really, it's really important. It's, it's going to change your experience of of yourself in the world and your ability to handle stress as well it's gonna give you more tools to to be able to take on the world and do all the things that you need to do which is amazing and so thank you so much for having me on your podcast today and for this conversation and um, for your friendship it's just wonderful to be here and to be able to share this knowledge with you and these teachings so thank you Thanks. I hope that this conversation with Harmony really made you think about how important your breath work is. And I just can't stress that enough. It's just 
so important. Even a five to 10 minute practice, which honestly is something I could easily do. And as I mentioned, like, and actually after the podcast, my husband was working from home and I just went out and told him, I said, I think this is just so important for us to do and to teach our children. And also I think that I need to like build it in. So instead of like scrolling through Instagram all the time, I focus on practicing these breath work techniques because it's going to be so much more beneficial to me. So I really hope that, you know, you take this to heart and really just think about how you can incorporate this into your own life as a great grounding practice, as something that can just be a lifelong skill that you can fall back on anytime that, you know, you're anxious or not even not anxious about anything, just something that's just going to help calm you down because I think we're all have moments, right? We're human beings. We have moments that stress us out and knowing proper breath work is going to help us through that. As well as if you really want to learn it, you need to learn it from Harmony herself. She is the expert. She can teach you how to do it correctly And if you're already a beginner at it, she can help you become more advanced at it. And I'm so excited about her breathwork course. And we're going to list all that information in our show notes and how you can connect with Harmony. So you can find all those show notes over on our sponsored blog, badtothebowl.com forward slash 51. Again, that's badtothebowl.com forward slash 51. Thanks.